Welcome back to Star Realms Minicast. Paul Solomon here, and I am still enthralled with the new things we found in this arena. Uh, I spent my whole day yesterday in that arena pretty much. Played 33 games in there, which means, yes, I did pony up a little extra cash to keep going back. But my first two trips in, I got 11 wins. Uh, so that was enough for both foil cards. A, uh, what do you call it? Mach- no, I always want to say machine base. That's not what that card is called. A battle station and a foil cutter, which is really cool. Even when you play the AI and you buy a cutter, it comes up as this shiny foil cutter. So that's pretty cool, and it's going to be neat to see that grow over time. Um, and um, I'm racing up to get this Brain World avatar. I want that. It's also fun to have like a fresh start where I can sort of try to keep up with uh, some of these guys, but I can't really because Damolo's got like 22 trophy stars yesterday on day one. 22. That was insane. Uh, I went to sleep in second place with 12, and then um, MTG Girl, uh, she went up and I think she got 14 now, and it's it's on. The race is on. There's no doubt Dom's going to be number one to 100 with the way he's doing it, but uh, there's not even 100 players that got the full three stars they could get yesterday. So um, I guess we'll see how it goes. I think a lot of people don't want to play. And I'll tell you what, this, this, this arena is kind of polarizing. Some people really dislike it. Maybe that's just the way that it's rush defense is. Partly it's that you've got to pay up if you want to really um, chase down these stars, I think. We'll see how it goes. But uh, we're going to be breaking this thing down today, talking about the format. It looks like every week there'll be a new format, new scenario, new stuff to discuss. And so we'll be breaking that down here on the minicast uh, day one each time. We'll start to talk out strategies and uh, what cards are increased in value and decreased in value. So let's start now. All right, question of the daytime, and obviously we'll be talking about rush defenses today. Um, simply put, what is the strategy here? What do you notice that really dramatically changes the way that the game feels? And as I've said, I know this is really polarizing. Some people absolutely hate it. For one, they hate uh, real time. For two, they feel like it's even more random swingy. They feel like these are essentially events or heroes coming out, and they can't control that. But all that aside, let's assume you're playing some of these games. What is the strategy? How do things change? Is there a faction that has improved over others? Um, you know, what are your top three bases to pull into play? Uh, Etc. Any thoughts on the subject? Go ahead and call in. Uh, leave a message on Facebook, and we'll get right to it. See ya. All right, now before we get into answering the question and talking about the rush defensive strategy, there's a a, a narrative going on in some of the groups I'm in that I just want to talk about a little bit. People are, as I said, this is a polarizing thing, this arena. People are frustrated because there's a pay-to-play option now. Um, And on, on one level, on an emotional level, I agree. When I first saw that I'd have to pay for credits, I was like, nope, not gonna do that. Um, because I don't want to pay. I don't like to uh, run out of credits on some game and then have to pay to keep going or whatever. I usually don't like that at all. Uh, And so my initial reaction was, hey, I don't like that thing. I'm not going to do it. But uh, 
it turned out that personally I really enjoyed it and found that paying a quarter or less for another shot at the arcade game was worth it to me. So I uh, bought some credits. But here's the problem. Um, people seem to be frustrated that the pay-to-play option even exists, which I don't entirely understand. It's like saying, you know, it's like saying uh, the United Heroes expansion release. That's so frustrating. Uh, some people are going to buy that and be able to play that. Okay, well, that's just how buying things work. If they want to buy the thing, they can buy the thing and play it. Why Wizard Games has given us all something extra for free. Every week, we all get a, you know, an arena experience or two for free in formats that we may not have paid for for free. That's awesome. And then they've given us an option. We can buy credits to continue doing that thing. Uh, seems about right, you know. I, you know, if it was the case that, uh, like in Hearthstone or something, where paying to play in the arena won me special cards that give me a game advantage on the regular challenge and random side, that would be really, really, really frustrating for me. I would absolutely hate it, and I would probably stop playing Star Realms on account of that. But the way that it is now doesn't impact players' skill level at all. It doesn't impact anything in-game. They get no benefit apart from visual things. You get foil cards that look foily and shiny when you play. You get an avatar or two. That's it. So if you choose to spend that money, do it. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not entirely sure why people are mad about that. I understand that gut reaction to feel bad. But if you think about it more carefully, I don't think it's really fair. In any case, Rick DeMille has done some very interesting analysis on the credit system. I'm going to be back in a minute to uh, tell you some of that. Hopefully we'll get some write-ins on strategies for rush defenses, and I'll be talking much more about that later. We may even have to split into two episodes. This is a big topic. All right, back soon. Okay, let me try to break down some of what Darklighter has to say here about the arena. Just as we continue, it seems this episode is not really on the strategy as I had planned, but that's okay. Um, a couple important points here. Each season is four weeks, and you get one free entry each week. So this is going to be broken up into seasons and then years, and I guess there's going to be standings on each of those um, leaderboards. You can win up to 30 credits each week. So if you get, um, I guess it's to five wins, you get all of those credits, which is enough for another entry plus some. First thing to know is that if, if you go in here and you just win six times on your first entry, you have all the credits, you have all the foil cards, there's nothing else to go back for other than the trophies, which if you choose to compete, that's your choice. Um, okay, but anyway, he wants to, wants to take it a bit further. And he says, for example, if you let's just say that you're not winning six in a row and you're having to go back into the arena entries several times in a week. Let's say it takes you four arena entries in a week to get to that sixth win and get the foil cards if that's what you're going for then you're also going to get 30 credits right so the 99 cents that you pay will last you two plus seasons will last you eight weeks seven arena entries including the free ones um because in those um by getting all those foil cards you're getting another entry and a half does that make some sense i hope so let's see if you average two arena entries in a week to get the foil cards, then 99 cents will last you forever. 
right? You're actually gaining 10 credits each week in that scenario. The first entry is free. The second entry costs 20, but by the end of winning those, you get 30 credits back. Okay, so if you average three entries in a week to get the foil cards, the 99 cents will last you six plus seasons. That's a lot of time, right? That's half a year. So anyway, um, <clears throat> the cost to you, your mileage may vary, but it's basically built on your skill level and uh, how often you want to fight for those weekly titles or the season titles and stuff. And I don't know if there's, um, there must be some avatars for those prizes. I don't know if there's, you know, it would be great if they kick back some credits for the people at the top of those things because they're the one paying in. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you, Darklighter, for the thoughts on that. Let's get to the strategy. Strategy time. In thinking about rush defenses, uh, let's talk about the bases first. Um, as I played through my first game, there was a lot of different stuff that I realized. For example, things like if you have a blue card in play, storage silo is free healing and soaking damage. So you, you buy that, it comes into play at factions, it gives you the two bucks that you just spent to buy it. So that's basically a no-brainer unless you're really worried about flipping something for your opponent because trade row control is really important. So a card like Ravager is a big deal, okay? Number two, or let, let's talk about a couple bases. Another one that's similar to that is Bioformer. Um, at a one-cost expense, you can, I mean, it's four, but it gets you a three refund. You can buy that card, get three free damage, and scrap it out. They're basically heroes, right? But they can soak if you want. Love Bioformer in this format, especially if you can tuck it behind a warning beacon or something light like that. The same is true for a Stellar Reef. Stellar Reef has never been better than in rush defenses. You can buy it at two, pull it out, get a buck back, scrap it for three attack. That's good. That's a good, that's three attack for one buck. We like that. Um, plus it provides green faction, so that's going to be doing stuff for you. Okay, fine. Those are kind of my favorite bases. I've had a, a several games in which Oracle comes out and um, like turn two and then stays in play for two, three, four turns. That's a big deal. Um, scrap seems very important still in this format. I do think scrap's important, but what is surprising, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, is that Econ is really, 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 really important in this format. Because when your opponent pulls a six-butt outpost into play, you have to be able to respond by buying multiple United Heroes or bases into play to counter them. Um, like pulling Warning Beacon in to get two damage, along with something else that you can scrap for damage. These are just really important plays in managing the board. Um, so Econ is huge. I don't know if it's true that healing is huge, but because Econ is so big, um, I think Blue is the most powerful faction in this format. And I've played most of my games deep into Blue. I would say Security Craft is like the number one best card in the game right now because um, it can knock four down. And when it pings off for three bucks, it is massive. I'm not sure that it's really the absolute best card in the game, but it's huge. It's just so good. That card's good. Patrol cutters are massive. Um, even Loyal uh, Colony Seed Ship is a great card you can get early. Um, 
and also because they allow you to bring in those storage silos and get that free benefit. If you're in red, if you're in green, if you're in yellow, you can't pull in storage silos for those free benefits. It costs you two bucks. You get the healing, but you don't get the two bucks back. Let's see what else I can say about the strategy here. Um, scraps important, yes. It's just such an interesting thing to feel out the balance between ships and bases. That's already an interesting part of the game, but it's totally flipped on its head because bases can be awesome for you, but it's really situational and tactical. It's, it's really a question of what is the base going to provide for me on this turn in terms of faction or some temporary ability like combat that I really need, and what's the probability that, that I'm going to see it next turn because I really need that to happen. A lot of the lopsided games happen when one player gets three bases out and the opponent can't, can't knock them down, and then it's just over. So Econ is hugely important, but you can't just go for that on the early turns. Um, just a matter of fact. A couple other bases that are great. Space, uh, not Space Station, Central, what is that thing called? Command Center. You pull it in, it gets you a two-buck refund, four defense, factions yellow. I like it. Um, the same is true for Central Station. That gives you the two-buck refund, five bucks. And because you're pulling bases and so willy-nilly, that thing can be really, really dangerous um, to pull bases in around and trigger the draw and heal. It's so fun. So fun. So I guess that's my, that's my first take on the strategy. Whoa. Oops. Dropped my phone there. Got cut off. Basically, those are my strategic insights right now. Blue is a big deal. Econ's a big deal. Scrap is still important. And you have to balance buying those bases with putting something more permanent into your deck. Um, you know, there's a lot of times where you find yourself able to buy Incinerator, you know, or able to buy some, can't remember the name of that other one, a big six-butt red base, and you just shouldn't do it. You just shouldn't do it. You should put, you know, Security Craft and uh, that little blue card that draws, not Trade Draft, but the other one. So that you can just pull them, pull them through. I mean, when you ping off those blues and you've got the money, you have so much power for combos on big turns. So anyway, give it a try. Call into the show. Tell me what I'm getting wrong. Tell me what I'm missing here. Appreciate you listening. A couple of write-ins here on the question of the day, talking strategy. The Danny Soto says uh, that Parasite got a nice boost in the um, rush defenses scenario here because in, in Colony Wars it sort of has that built-in chain where it can uh, grab Plasma Vent and bring it right into play and then draw a card. That's a nice little thing. But now with its grab a card for six, it could be any any cost six base or less, bring it right into play, and that's a big deal. Um, also got a chance to talk to Darklighter who's been playing this a ton and... Uh, he and I agreed on a lot of things that blue was probably a big boost that you have to balance your deck for attack and money and stuff. Um, said that he really likes the, he said, first of all, I don't know if I've said this already, actually, that uh, this format probably has a second player advantage, which we is, is flipped on its head from what you normally see in Star Realms. Second player has the advantage because there are so many better um, four cost bases than like two and three cost bases. Um, 
Darklighter mentioned that the best, maybe the best possible start in this game in rush defenses would be a turn to um, get two storage silos into play. They pay for themselves, they heal six, and your opponent probably can't take them down for a while. He thinks that the econ bases, especially early, are massive. Um, that would be like a command center and a central station. So we saw, we saw eye to eye on this. One thing I do want to say here is I know a lot of people are complaining, um, frustrated, feel like it's very luck-based and not skill-based. But here's the thing. Uh, there's no doubt this is a high-variance format, and you're going to have big, swingy things can happen, and the games might fall out of your control. So just like in Colony Wars or when playing with heroes and events, trade roll control, trade row control becomes important. And you have to play safe sometimes, okay? But the other thing that I want to say is it's just not true. Skilled players are winning in this format. Darklighter said he's at about 80% win rate on rush defenses. Um, and that's probably through 40 games or something like that. Um, I've played about 37, and I'm winning about um, 79% of the something like that. Can't remember. He might have even said 85%. Point is, those are crazy high percentages. Um, the 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 normal game, you know, if if that's skill based, it's just much tighter. Um, I interpret it how you will, but through 35 games at 80%, that's that's holding on past just luck. Um, so I do think it's a format where skill and uh, strategy can win for you. Darklighter did add one other little uh, nugget of knowledge here, which I thought was pretty insightful, and that is this. There are a lot of times in the game um, where if you are up, you might pull a battle station into play, and you should think about scrapping it for the damage rather than letting it soak damage. The same would apply to a barter world. Um... Bases like that that you can scrap for damage, it's probably better in a lot of times in the game to make use of them for damage rather than soaking damage. Um, another, one, another one of those places where you just have to pay attention to who's uh, getting the beat down, so to speak. All right. Thanks to Darklighter for the thoughts. And that is going to do it for today's episode of Star Realms Minicast. Big thanks to Darklighter for the insights. Everybody that wrote in or uh, had something to say, I know the discussion is really lively right now around the arena. I appreciate you all for participating, and uh, I hope you're having some fun. You know, there is a lot of strategy to be had on this format, and I hope you'll dig in and share them back here. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll see you then, and until then, I will see you on the realms.